This week on the Rail Splitter, it's the third installment of the first edition of the Rail Splitter Book Club talking about Lincoln, the man who saved America. podcast my name is jeremy with me today are nick what's up podcast peoples and mary hey real splitter nation so we are back with episode i believe this is the number 46 to do our third installment in our first lincoln or excuse me rail splitter book club uh abraham lincoln the man who saved america and we have a very special guest that is going to join us later on in today's show and that is the author of the book himself, David J. Kent. So we're very excited to have him, and he will be joining us in a little bit. But before we bring him on, we did want to talk about the last two chapters. But first, um, it is April. We are recording. It feels like every time we've ever recorded this, uh, it has been uh, been greetings from snowy Illinois. And it's April 18th, and it is still snowing in Illinois. So greetings once again from snowy Illinois. Uh, but it's April 18th, so I just wanted to get uh, both of your takes on this past weekend when we did uh, mark the 153rd anniversary of Lincoln's death. Um, I've kind of talked about how I recognize that kind of on Good Friday a little bit and on the 14th and 15th. Um, but this 14th and 15th, I think, because it's the first one since we started the show, uh, kind of felt a little bit more because I had some people reaching out to me and um, kind of got to feel a little bit of the coolness that is rail splitter nation uh on those two days so what were the two of your thoughts as you reflected upon the lincoln assassination this last weekend i was waiting for mary to go sorry sorry (laughs) um i don't know it was sad no i you know i just kind of took a look at stuff that was out there on Twitter. I guess most of my interaction and thoughts with it kind of came through the social media. So and we've talked about this, the community that's out there. So seeing kind of what people have posted, um, you know, a couple thoughts on that. Saw a lot of, you know, John Wilkes Booth stuff posted out there, which made me think about our great episodes, the three-part series we did on the assassination. Um, so, yeah, just kind of stuff like that, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of what if, if he – wasn't assassinated where things would have gone, which we've done on the show a couple times. But um, most of mine was kind of through the social media, looking at that stuff, thinking about it, um, and kind of interacting from there. So, and reading Mary's great blog post. Thank you. Actually, so, Thank you. Uh, which is a perfect transition is what they call, uh, or a segue in the business of podcasting. So the, the floor is all yours, Mary. Oh, thank you. Well, I... I did write as I do every April 14th. I woke up early on Saturday morning to had no idea what I was going to write. And I just kind of, I was listening to Lincoln soundtrack and this blog post just came together and I thought, well, I'll post it. And I just, I reflected a lot. I, as sad as the day is for me, I always try and think of what an amazing human he was and how he's brought so much positive like positivity into my life and how he's you know still 
his spirit still moves among all of like all of us who who study him and love him. And I was like, you know, reading the posts on Twitter as well. And the community is just so great and amazing to come together on such a sad day. But, you know, on a whole, there was a lot of reflection, I think. Um, perhaps one of the creepier things that happened to me was I woke up really early on Sunday morning and I, um, I had a migraine. So I had to go out in the kitchen to get some Advil. And I looked right at the clock on my, my stove and it said 722. And that was uh, like, I just stood there staring at it. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I'm, I chose this moment to get out of bed. So, of course, there was a bit of pause and reflection at that point, too. But, yeah, on a whole, you know, sad two days. Uh, like you, Jeremy, I do reflect on Good Friday as well uh, for the same reasons you do. But, yeah, just the community out there is amazing. That was proven to me again this weekend. So all of you out there on Twitter or Facebook, you're all awesome. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, uh, wow, that is kind of an eerie coincidence, Mary, that that was when you, you, uh, woke up and, um, yeah, it was great to see the interaction on social media and I get some text messages from some uh, different folks and kind of, we were sharing some stuff on our, our group chat as well. Um, and it kind of, you know, and I kind of tweeted something out too, that, um, you know, it's interesting that it was the anniversary of the, of a terrorist attack in Boston, it's Jackie Robinson Day, um, to a far, far, far lesser degree, it's tax day, so like, there's quite a lot of stuff kind of con converging on April 15th, um, but I think it's important that, um, to, to recognize and remember uh, Abraham Lincoln's sacrifice for our country and its people on that day, along with, with others as well. So, thank this you. This year, uh, tax day was the 17th, because I didn't do mine until the 16th. And it actually, they, they extended it a day, so you can do them today because they had a glitch yesterday. So, Hey, Mary, where can people find your posts? Um, on my on my blog, so um, I think, just let me look up. i got to make sure I get the address right here. I'm pretty sure it is um, it's CW, cwfangirl.wordpress.com. And it's um, it's linked in my my Twitter page, like my Twitter bio as well, um, which is my name on Twitter is at Miss Bellatrix. Yep, and I think if you look at the Real Splitter Twitter account, the, it's linked there a couple different times. Mm -hmm. If you can just kind of scroll yeah. down through a handful of posts to April fifteenth, you should be able to access it that way. So put this on pause. Go read it. Wipe up your eyes, and then oh, oh hey, welcome back. So glad <laughs> you guys read the blog post. As you guys know, Mary is a great writer. Oh, thank you. Yep, I, I very much enjoyed uh, the blog post uh, as much as you can about uh, the assassination of, mm -hmm. of your hero. But I think it was very moving and well said. So thank you. Uh, a tip of the top hat to you uh, for for writing that. Um, so let's get to the purpose of today's episode, which is. Uh, we'll briefly talk about the last section of the book, which we haven't talked about in book club yet, which are chapters nine and ten. Uh, and then uh, Nick uh, is going to have to go off to Hollywood. He's got he's screening his film from his day job about Vietnam uh, this evening. So Mary and I will actually handle the interview with our guest this evening. But it was important for us to keep the streak alive. All of the Rail Splitters have never missed an episode since we've joined the show. Uh, in our each, each in our respective at our respective points in the show, so we're keeping that alive. Even though Nick's got his big Hollywood commitments tonight, um, and when we when, say Hollywood, we mean Beloit, Wisconsin. It's the Hollywood. <laughs> it's the Hollywood of South Central Wisconsin. 
<laughs> so well, I appreciate you guys doing double duty tonight. So just to get me on. So hey, no, we, no it's worries. our pleasure. So uh, chapter nine, uh, real well, really the the two chapters, chapters nine and ten, take us from Gettysburg to what we just finished talking about, which was the end of Lincoln's life, and then a little bit about his legacy. Uh, and I will turn it over to you both. What did you all think of the end of Lincoln, the man who saved America? Uh, chapter nine. Well, I think kind of eight and nine is the challenge of going through the Civil War. Um, it had to be very difficult to write these two chapters, which I think we touched on last time, because there's so much going on, especially from a Civil War standpoint. Um, which had to make it very difficult for him. Um, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yep. All right. My computer just froze, so I don't have my notes. So uh, anyways, as I was saying, uh, like I felt like a lot of it dealt with the battles of the Civil War, kind of given a concise history of the Civil War battles at that time period. Um, and what you did a nice job of, I would like to have seen a little bit more into like Lincoln's head, kind of what he was thinking about. Um, kind of, you know, a little bit less focus. That's easy to say from where I'm sitting here and not trying to write a concise history on all this stuff. Um, so, but the thing I really did like and that stood out to me is I thought he had a great, simple, powerful summary of the meaning and legacy of the Gettysburg Address. I agree. So I thought that was, I really enjoyed that. He did it just a very simple way, which isn't always easy to do with the impact of the Gettysburg Address. Yeah, I, and I agree with that as well. Um, and I think it's kind of fitting that there's a parallel there that like the Gettysburg Address is probably the best example of a concise, tightly worded uh, summation of an extremely important uh, moment or, or series of moments or uh, era in history. So I like how that's kind of parallel, that uh, this whole work is very concise and very... Um, you know, to the point, um, and this obviously has a different intention, but like, it's kind of a cool little parallel. Yeah, I, I completely agree with all that you've said about the chapter, Nick, like it, it's gotta be very challenging to, you know, write about the civil war, but then also write about Abraham Lincoln. I mean, you have books that are just written about day one of Gettysburg alone. So to even try and like, summarize the battle and i thought he did a good job about you know summarizing what went on in the battles that he discusses in this chapter but yeah like his like explanation of the gettysburg address was great yeah yeah i agree um and then we take uh, then he hops us on the road to re-election which of course uh involves one of our nemesis nemes nemesis nemesis of the show in uh, george mcclellan uh, who we've talked about a couple different times, but uh, who reemerges in the Lincoln story as a political rival in this case, um, in the election of 1864, uh, which I think, again, um, pretty, um, pretty obviously pivotal moment in Lincoln's presidency. I'm sure we'll do an episode on it at some point. Um, but I think history kind of views it as a, as a validation of Lincoln, um, especially in an era where re-elections were rare, uh, they hadn't, it hadn't happened in quite some time. Um, so I, I did like how the, the work addressed it in that capacity um, as kind of an, an affirmation of the direction that the war was going and of Lincoln himself um, and kind of um, definitely setting the stage for, for the end of the war. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought he did a great job with the mm -hmm. summary of the election and kind of hitting on the 
um, you know, where things stood, kind of Lincoln's thought process, you know, especially at the, you know, middle part of the campaign, thinking he wasn't going to win it. He does a nice job setting the table with all that. So I did think he did a great job with that as well. Yep, he, he, he certainly did. And this would be like, you know, this is one of the things that I, I love about this book is if there's something that I quickly need to go and look up about Lincoln, um, then this is a, a good book for that. And the way he summarizes the, you know, the re-election, is, it's awesome for that. Yep, for sure. Okay. For sure. Any any other thoughts on Chapter 9? I know we're kind of being quick, but we want to make sure we save some time in this episode for the man himself who wrote the book, uh, who will be joining us very soon on the show. Uh, so we move on to Chapter 10, um, which is Of Martyrdom and Legacy, which um, is obviously a difficult chapter to read because it does deal with the assassination. But first it talks about, uh, of course, the end of... The war in one of our favorite scenes, which is Lincoln at City Point, um, which is, um, we've, we've kind of alluded to it on the show here and there, and, and we actually have an idea that we're working on about doing it, an episode just on Lincoln's day there at City Point um, and the importance around that. So what were your thoughts on Chapter 10 and including that, that portion of it? I mean, the end of 10, it had, I mean, it does a good job. It does like all the great summaries, especially if you're not um, as familiar with Lincoln, you know, which is his target audience for this. He does a nice job kind of wrapping it all up, uh, explaining all that. To me, what I liked the best about it was the second half of chapter 10, um, where he goes a little bit more into the legacy. I kind of liked that he talked about like the legacy outside of Civil War. Um, there, you kind of brought in some other things too, like the expansion, all the bills that he passed that really led to Western expansion. Uh, because I always find that kind of fascinating about Lincoln myself. Um, I also enjoy, well, I thought it was interesting that he, he kind of gives Lincoln, he brings up the point that Democrats, Republicans both kind of latch on to Lincoln. And he kind of gives Lincoln's legacy to the current day Democrats. Not necessarily that I disagree. I was just kind of surprised that he decided to take a political stance, uh, especially towards the end of the book when he's trying to hit kind of just this, you know, beginner target audience. I don't know what you guys felt about that. Um, I don't know if that stood out or you guys didn't think anything about it. It, it did definitely stand out to me. And I was surprised, too, that there was a little bit of a political slant in there um, with it. Um, just saying like, well, the, you know, the Democrats really have more of a hold on him now, you know, as opposed to how the Republicans are. So yeah, I have the same thoughts as you about it, Nick. Yeah. And I agree. I liked it. Um, and those of you who listen to the show probably can, can understand that that aligns at least with me as far as my political views go and my views of Lincoln, certainly. Um, but I don't think that it's, um, I don't think he stepped out on a ledge really, um, because I think it's pretty... I think that's pretty widely accepted mm -hmm. that 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 um, that Lincoln was a progressive, that Lincoln was a liberal. Um, in, in the you know the, the Whig Party, absolutely, undeniably was on one hundred percent the liberal party in relation to the others, and then of course the Republican Party um, was born of the ashes of the Whig Party. I'm not to say that they didn't have Democrats who came over; they certainly did, but. Um, I think that that's an important point and well made, and I don't think it was over the top or heavy handed by any means. I think it was well worded, well placed, and an important point to make. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that especially you know, 
Um, it was an interesting point to make because of his audience, but I think it was also an important point to make because of the audience uh, that this book is aiming for. Um, because, and I do want to. I, I feel like you could have, like, I didn't think it was really needed for this book, in my opinion. I'm not saying that it was wrong to put it. I just felt like it was, to me, I felt like it came off kind of odd, like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once again, I'm not saying, like, I, I disagree with his analysis on that. I just felt like it didn't really fit kind of with the book. And I don't know. That's what I have. Maybe I'm just so used to everybody arguing nowadays too. So yeah, you want to I'm wondering if maybe I'm wondering if maybe he did it so that the audience that is reading this, who's not necessarily, you know, they're maybe not as well versed as in Lincoln is, is what the, is what we are or, you know, other people that have been following him for as long as we have. But, um, you know, maybe so Lincoln can be related in the modern day somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like a good something point. Like, like, like that, maybe? I, I don't know. Well, well the good like, news is, is we do not have to wonder because we can just ask him about it because he's yeah. just about to come on the show. So uh, that's definitely something we'll address. And I think um, I, I, I think it take a little bit of a different track than Nick does because I, I do. I did like how he did that and how it fit in with the legacy portion. Um, and I think that. One of the things that I really like about this book, and I think that this particular point uh, speaks to it, it is intended for a more of a general audience, and it is intended for people who may not know a lot about Lincoln. But it never talks down to anybody. It never, it's, it's never, you know, it's not pretentious about it. Saying like, I, you know, like I don't ever get the feeling like it's kind of sending it all, you know. So like, I, and I worried as I was kind of reflecting back on our previous analysis of the book when we're talking about like oh this is not really a book for lincoln scholars it's a book for for people who just want to know more about it like that's a very good thing a very very good thing and it does a really really Mm -hmm. good job um so i want to be really clear that i really really like the tone of it and i enjoyed reading this book and i never once felt like oh i don't have time for this i you know i i read blah 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 and blah 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 you know like i've never once felt that way i always felt that like um, it was really something I could relate to and, and it really enjoyed reading. So, um, any final thoughts on the book? And I know we're kind of rushing through this, but we do want to make sure we have plenty of time to chat with, uh, David J. Kent, the writer of the book club. And man, wouldn't that be awesome if we could always have the writer in, in our book clubs <laughs> at various spots throughout the country. Well, on the rail splitter, we do have the writer of the book showing up, uh, and being have- just in the show. Before you, before you bring him on and I got to take off, I do have one other thought. I really liked at the end, especially considering, you know, um, the fact that a lot of people just getting introduced to Lincoln are reading this, that he provided so many resources at the end as far as Lincoln organizations and, you know, gave, you know, where to find this stuff. He had uh, a lot of different books, at least on the Kindle version I had. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a huge list of all the Lincoln books. Um, and I was reading, too, somewhere towards the end. I mean, the dude, he has 1,200 Lincoln books. I want you guys, where the hell does he put them all? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> guys need to ask that for me. We will. Um, but I love that part that he provided all that information for people who, you know, you know, are just getting introduced to Lincoln. Mm-hmm. They're like, yes, I need more. He provided those avenues and some stuff I didn't even know about either. So I thought and, that was a great addition of the book. And that That's how I felt about it too. And I just thought, I'm like, wow, I've like, this is such a handy resource, like, for anybody to have and like I completely agree with you Jeremy it would never once is it's not a book that talks down or anything like that and 
I actually learned, like I learned quite a bit, um, you know, and I, I also love that in the legacy part that he talks about the stuff that Lincoln did that isn't to do with the Civil War, because I think that is such an important part of Lincoln's life that it often gets overlooked just, you know, because of the Civil War, but it's still an important he still did some really important things like establishing the Department of Agriculture. You know, there was the the Pacific Railway stuff that he did too. And that's very, that, those are important things to know about Lincoln. Yep. Yep, definitely. So uh, we'll, we will uh, definitely ask some of those questions on your behalf, Nick, as we wish you all the best in your film screening in the Hollywood of South Central Wisconsin, Beloit, Wisconsin, as part of the Beloit Film Festival. So once again, congratulations on your accomplishments there. And unfortunately, based on when we're recording, we're not able to include Nick. Uh, but when we, when, you, when we come back to the show, we will uh, be welcoming our guests. So we'll take a little bit of a break right now, and then we will have uh, with us David J. Kent, who is the writer of the book that was featured in the first installment of the Rail Splitter Book Club, Lincoln, the Man Who Saved America. Okay, welcome back to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast. We are with a very special guest. This week on the show, for the first installment of the Rail Splitter Book Club, uh, we have with us David J. Kent, the author of Lincoln, the Man Who Saved America. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So um, we do want to definitely get into the to the book and to the work itself, but before we get into that, just maybe what might be an easy question, maybe a lengthy answer, I'm not sure. Uh, but what brought you to Lincoln? What made you a what made you a Lincoln nerd like like the rest of us here? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually kind of strange that I became a, a Lincoln nerd because uh, I grew up in New England, where the Civil War was something we only talked about for like one day, and we spent half a semester in school talking about the Revolutionary War, which was more important for for New England. Uh, so I was kind of the odd man out early on. But, uh, but I've been a Lincoln geek since I was very, very young. Uh, you know, the, I was a kid in fourth grade with the Lincoln hat and, and, and making believe I was Lincoln, which, which didn't last very long because I never quite grew into that hat. But, um, but I've been uh, interested in Lincoln for, for my whole life. Excellent. And um, you're, you're right at home here. You're among friends. We're all, I think a lot of people, a lot of our listeners are probably share your enthusiasm and I think we all kind of have a, a story about our you know our version of your top hat story when we were when we were kids and <laughs> it's kind of nice to be among friends so uh, well that's that's excellent and um, so um, your your Twitter handle or your Twitter name is science traveler you have written some works in the past about some different scientists um, you want to talk a little bit about what uh, what works you've published before Lincoln and maybe what led you to finally, to finally do a work on Lincoln himself. Yeah, I, I, uh, my background actually, my working background is science. I, uh, I grew up uh, on a on the coast, and so I was a marine biologist for for a while, and then I went into aquatic toxicology, and then I ended up down in Washington D.C. for the last about twenty five years, uh, doing consulting in uh, various environmental consulting firms. 
So my, my pay, my paid job was actually in science. So that was kind of the natural start for when I did the writing for, for, for the general public is expanding on the writing I did for, for science. But alongside, kind of in parallel, my non-paying job was, uh, was Lincoln and researching Lincoln and, and studying Lincoln. And uh, I have quite a Lincoln book collection, uh, about, uh, about 1,200 Lincoln books on my shelves. And I'm always looking for new shelves to put my Lincoln books on. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely something we had talked about when we were reading through kind of the, the, the end part of the book and, and your bio and whatnot is uh, those 1,200 books. Um, one, yeah. like, where do they go? <laughs> and uh, two, like, what are some of your favorites that jump out at you from your collection? Well, they, I, have a, I have a library in my office at home, and then I have... Uh, what used to be a spare bedroom, which is my second library. And then virtually every other room has uh, bookcases full of Lincoln books in it. So uh, Lincoln's pretty much taken over the house, and, uh, which, is, which is fine with me. Um, as far as favorite books, it's, it's, it's really difficult because there are so many. I mean, I, I've read all of the ones people mention, things like Team of Rivals, Rivals uh, is very good, uh, but then you have also uh, Manhunt, which was a book by uh, by James Swanson, and his is more it's it's not as scholarly as as Doris Kearns Goodwin's book, but it's uh, it's fun to read and it's it kind of slips in a lot of uh, information. Um, in a nice storytelling format. And that's the kind of thing that, that really works with uh, a, broader, a broader public. Uh, and he, I've heard numbers that he's, number of books that he sold, and if all of us could get that kind of numbers, Lincoln would be a lot more popular now than, <laughs> than, than he is. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so there, there, are, there are a lot of different things. Now, I, I have my interest in, in particular interest in Lincoln is science and technology, uh, his interest in science and technology, which blends with my science, my science career. And so there are, there are books that uh, compare um, uh, Lincoln and Charles Darwin, who really didn't have much in common other than they were born on the same day. And, and so that they, people have written entire books about, uh, about their relationship, which they never had, they never talked to each other or anything, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and then there are other books that look into various aspects of, of Lincoln's, um, Lincoln's science side, uh, especially his patent, because he's the only president with, with a patent, um, despite the fact that people like Thomas Jeff Jefferson, who was a pretty good inventor and invented or caused to be invented several things, but never patented anything. Um, so there are, there are books on, on, on the patent and on his flat boat trips and things like that. So I find all of those interesting. Yeah. And I, um, I, I like that you brought up the Swanson book. Um, and we've mentioned that on the show a couple of times, cause that's, you know, that's a favorite of mine. I've read both of his Lincoln works. 
Um, and in that narrative style just kind of lends itself to, I mean, it's a, obviously he's chosen the assassination and then his aftermath has his two subjects, which have kind of a nice gripping plot and, you know, you can kind of follow along. There's some suspense there. Um, but as we were kind of breaking down your book and, and looking through your book, um, I, th- I, f- I feel a very similar kind of style where it's, um, it doesn't read like a history book. Um, and, and I don't know if you were if you listened to our previous shows where we were chatting about it, but it took me a minute to kind of wrap my head around it, and then I, I saw a talk that you gave on C-SPAN, and then it, it, everything kind of clicked that this work is really intended right. for anyone and everyone. Um, and once I embraced that, I, I just kind of fell in love with the, with the book. I thought it was perfect, um, perfectly aligned to what its goal was, and I kind of also learned as a reader maybe it's appropriate to find out what the goal is before you kind of jump into something because yeah. <laughs> obviously that's important, right? Um, and to kind of get over myself, books aren't written just for me sometimes. Um, so what led you to that uh, decision, um, especially because the Lincoln book world is, like your library, quite crowded? Um, I, I really like the idea that you came up with. What led you to that? It actually is an extension of... of uh the other two books that I had written. Um, I, uh, my first book uh, was actually on Nikola Tesla, and the second was on Thomas Edison, and because they were kind of rivals uh, at least a little bit. And those books uh, were written for general audiences, and that was, that was the idea, was to write for a general audience. So when I did this book, uh, and I actually had to talk the publisher into letting me do it because he thought I was a scientist and didn't know how much I knew about Lincoln. Um, and you know, I finally convinced him I knew more about Lincoln than I did about either Tesla or Edison when I wrote those books. So <clears throat> the idea uh, you know, kind of came from, from both my scientific and my historian careers. We tend to talk to other scientists and other historians. And we write books for other people that are into our fields as much as we are. And that's, that's fine. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But that leaves out the vast majority of the, of the public who, and unfortunately these days, don't read that much of anything at all. Um, but if they read about Lincoln, they, they may read... Uh, one or two books about Lincoln, maybe in their lifetime. Um, <clears throat> then you get, you, you do have a subset that reads Doris Kearns Goodwin's 900 pages and reads Harold Holzer and, and reads these thicker books that we love, um, but most of the public doesn't read those. Uh, so I wanted to reach all of those people that weren't reading about Lincoln. And the format of the book uh, kind of lends itself to that, and uh, my writing style lends itself to that, and uh, working with the publisher to, to keep the price down so people can afford it um, goes to that, and it's, it's worked. I mean, they, uh, for all of the books, they've, uh, they've been very well received. Um, the Tesla book is in to its eighth printing and several foreign translations. Um, uh, the Edison book has been translated already, and and uh, uh, this Lincoln book is already going into a second a second printing uh, next month. So it's reaching 
it's reaching people. And I've had a lot of people uh, tell me that uh, it appeals to a pretty wide range of, of, of people from adults who it's written for, but also uh, teenagers because of the, all of the graphics that's in it. Mary, you go ahead. I've kind of asked quite a lot of questions already. <clears throat> okay. Um, I was just going to say, I picked the book up in September um, at Barnes and Noble in Michigan. And I, you know, they always say don't judge a book by its cover, but that was what instantly <clears throat> attracted me to the book was the, was the cover. I saw it right away and I picked it up and I was like, looked at the pictures in it and I thought I, I need to have this and I've come away from it. Um, and I've read uh, Ronald White's biography of Lincoln and Donald's and all that, but it is something that um, I know that I can reference mm -hmm. first off. And I thought it was very well written. Um, the, the picture on the cover, did you go through a few different versions of that cover before you pick the one that's on there? And what is the reason for that picture of Lincoln on the cover? Is there something that speaks to you about that one that <clears throat> picture of him? I think the, the, uh, the cover and, and the pictures, uh, I have to give a lot of credit to the publisher. They exert a lot of, uh, influence over what pictures get put in and, and, and what gets on the cover. They actually came up with that cover picture. Um, although I really like it. It's, uh, it's, I, th I think that the big thing about the cover is exactly what you just said, is that people will, will see it yep. and they, they will say, wow, that's, it's, it's stunning. It kind of jumps out at you. And that's, that's a hard, the hardest part of selling books these days is that there are just so many books and most of them all look the same except mm -hmm. for the cover. And often all you see is the spine. You don't even see the, the front part of the cover. So, you know, I worked uh, pretty closely with the, with the publisher and this is the third book I've done with them. So, you know, pretty good pretty good uh, relationship with the editor designer and uh, you know the, really I, I have to say that it's worked very well because a lot of people tell me the same thing you just said that that they saw the book in the in the store and they were intrigued by it and so then they pick it up and they flip through it and they read a few pages and they see all the pictures and then they look at the price and they say wow I'll get this <laughs> you know it's there's no risk to it yeah, and I think that kind of encapsulates what really something I really like about the book that as it's, you know, a lot of those choices are, you know, um, just kind of accepting. Obviously, we would love to live in a world where, well, maybe we would, I don't know, where everybody's just very academic and like bookish or however you want to talk about it. I don't yeah. know if that would be the most fun world to live in or not, but like that, those are very real issues. You're kind of, and I work with young people for my pay job. And you're competing with a lot of media uh, to get people to read. And yeah. I think that being pragmatic uh, about it yeah. is a great thing. And you're bringing in people to, to read about Lincoln. And I think that that's a wonderful thing. It's, I consider the book as kind of a gateway book 
<laughs> that's how I saw it too. It's yeah. like, give you it get, to somebody that is sort of into Lincoln and then they'll come away probably being, you know, a Lincoln geek. Right. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea that people will read this book and they'll talk about it and they'll, you know, they, I've had people, they say they donate them to the libraries and or they hopefully buy multiple copies and give one to the library <laughs> and, and keep one. And, but they, they get interested in, in Lincoln and they may go then and find a, a biography like uh, David Herbert Donald's biography of Lincoln, um, or they may go and read a book that's, if they say they get really into the Cooper Union address that I spend three pages on, you know, they can go out and buy uh, a book that talks just about the Cooper Union address, gets into it. So. That's my hope is that they'll read my book and then go forward and get more into Lincoln and, and really learn more uh, than there is about Lincoln. And I think the, the book actually, it's, it's kind of sneaky in a way because I think there's a lot more scholarship in there than, uh, there, there is a lot more scholarship in there than people might think when they look at all the pictures. Is it, oh, yeah, this is a pretty book and it's got a lot of... There's a lot of information that a lot of people that are reading this don't know. And that's good. You know, I want them to, to learn without really feeling like they're learning. Yeah, that's... Uh, that. My life's work is to find ways to do that for our teenagers. <laughs> it's not easy to do, and I think that's you have it. accomplished it, where... Um, and I think that it kind of works both ways too. I think that if, if you're going the other way, if folks have maybe they read read a Cooper Union book or, or you know, a book that's very specific, sometimes it's nice to come home to something that's just a little more general and it's still rich and dense and has a lot of um, just just a lot of content, very um, succinctly and efficiently put on the page. Yeah. Um, and, and and the visuals are great too. I, I think that um, that they they add a lot. To, to the work um and certainly it's the experience of reading it um i read i read much of it kind of in like in a you know during an extended layover extended delay in an airport which is not a pleasant place to read and i was just in i i enjoyed every second of it it was it was very very enjoyable so um so and that was deliberate too for i, I and you've i've heard you talk about it on the c-span address or c-span interview uh, which was very good um, as well, is that how that process worked. So throughout your process of, of writing this this work and getting to a point where um, you ended up with the final product, did you find yourself, like were early versions much, much longer? Was there a lot um, in, involved in the process or did you kind of start start with it being very pretty succinct from the beginning? I uh, It was not longer. It was this, I wrote it to this length. Um, I... I, when I talk with the publisher, I work out a proposal and say, this is what I want to cover. And this is, these are the chapters and what I'm going to put in each chapter. And we agree on a, on a length and, you know, how long the, the final book is going to be and how many words and all of that. And I write it to that length. Um, I find that that's much easier than trying to take a longer book and edit it down because uh, 
it's very important in, in my books, especially, it's very important to have a nice flow and story running through it. And if you take something that's longer and you start chopping it down, then you lose the flow that you had when you wrote the longer version. So I always make sure I know exactly uh, where I'm going with this and what, um, that, you know, within a few thousand words, you know, what, how many words I'm going to write and, and what I want to accomplish with the book. And, uh, and then I write for that. And with the audience that I'm approaching in mind, because I've written other more technical things in my life and they're, you know, they're, you, you have to write it very different for, for that different audience. It's, it's a bit of a challenge to write for a general audience because you want, you know that they don't know as much as you do. Um, so you need to get the, the information across to them, but you can't give them so much detail that they get bogged down in it and they stop caring and it's not fun anymore. I mean, that's what us Lincoln scholars do. You know, we, <laughs> you know, we write books that only other Lincoln scholars can read, and, and that's fine, but it's, it's only going to reach other Lincoln scholars. So the, the, the goal with a book like this is to reach people who aren't Lincoln scholars, but to give them a lot of information in the context that, that, that people can understand. So it's not dumbed down, it's just I, I think more than anything, you just filter out a lot of detail that they don't really care about to begin with, and they don't need to know. <clears throat> they don't need to know in order to uh, in order to to learn from the book. So, when you were writing the book, did you find any one area to be more challenging than another? Um, for writing, like, was the Civil War the more challenging part for you to write because? There's just so much detail to do with that, and a lot of like a lot of us associate Lincoln with being the president during the Civil War, or was it his earlier days? You know, when he was a lawyer, that was more challenging to write. Uh, there were two areas I found challenging. Um, one was the Civil War, because so much happens during those four years. Yeah. You know, it's so much, so many details you could put in. <clears throat> and you just can't put all of those details in. So that was where I needed to work very hard to pick out um, everything from the key battles, the key uh, generals, and, the, and it's a book about Lincoln, so focusing on um, the information, uh, the things that Lincoln did, how he, the choices he made, the letters he wrote, the interactions he had with these generals. So that's, that was pretty tough, trying to squeeze that in. I mm -hmm. wish I had a little bit more space to, yeah. <laughs> to do that. The other aspect was almost, was almost the opposite problem. Um, early on, I have a chapter where I talk about Lincoln's uh, uh, loves, you know, his family and his, his early, uh, his early girlfriends, if you want to call them that, and, and his wife, and even his best friend in, in, in Speed. And there's a lot more that could be put into those, into those sections. Um, 
but it's a fairly narrow part of the uh, of the discussion and of the book. So you really can't get into the nuances of of relationships as much as you can if you had more space. So that was that was tough. I was trying to, you know, give a flavor for for these uh, relationships that he had and his his personal life, but uh, without without having really the space to get into it like uh, like other books that are that are longer or specialize in that particular area. In fact, I remember uh, I listened to the earlier one of your earlier podcasts, and I, I recall that you um, you had spoken with uh, Stacy. Uh, McDermott, who has written a book about about uh, Mary Lincoln, and it made me think. And I, I know Stacy, and uh, both of us are on the board of the Abraham Lincoln Institute, uh, and so we had a board meeting last month. And I, I I talked to her specifically about this after listening to your podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we uh, Stacy and I uh, talked a lot at that meeting, and. Um, we found that we're we're pretty much in agreement on on Mary uh, Lincoln. I mean, she was somebody who was uh, was very very educated, very uh, intellectual, um, very European in a in a way. Um, and she was also, unlike most people from her time period, she was very much into politics. And uh, you know, the, you could argue the, the the fine points, but you know. She probably helped make Lincoln who he was, and he may not have risen to the level that he did without her. Um, but when people talk about her, if they write a book about Abraham Lincoln, uh, generally, especially books that have his whole life, generally they don't spend much time talking about about Mary. And uh, and and I only have a few pages about Mary. And a few more, maybe about their family, in in the book. And when you do that, you tend to get um, you, you, it. It's hard to get the nuance of of her relationship with him and 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 everything that she's done. In contrast, uh, in books that focus on Mary herself or on their relationship, you spend the entire book going into uh, her background and what she contributed and what she didn't contribute. Um, but also you get into in those books and Stacy in her book talks about, you know, there were times when Mary was not the, mm -hmm. you know, she was a little erratic sometimes yeah. and, and she, she could be violent and she got very jealous and uh, you know, those things, those things happen, and and that's that's the reality of the situation. So when you put it in in a small section in a book like mine, it's you can. It's hard to really capture her full character, you know, her full uh, uh, person. Um, but when in a book like Stacy's, you can you can get into that and you can look at those nuances mm -hmm. and, and a much, much fuller picture. So again, I think that goes back to um, what the purpose of my book is. It's to reach out to a broader audience. So not all of the, not everybody is going to, to read Stacy's book, 
So what I want to do is kind of pique people's interest and then maybe they'll go and pick up Stacy's book mm -hmm. or they'll go pick up Harold Holzer's books on this or that. And, uh, and, and so that's kind, of, that's kind of the idea. But so writing about things like that, you know, personal relationships in just a couple of pages, it's very difficult to do. I, find, I found that to be almost as difficult as trying to squeeze four years of civil war into two and a half chapters. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. Those are the two areas because they, you know, they're, I think they're, they're, they share a similarity and then a lot of people kind of gravitate toward those as the most interesting pieces. But also, you know, they kind of differ from each other because obviously there's such a wealth of information in the Civil War. And we've kind of got a, not guess, I mean, there's plenty of historic record around the interpersonal relationships, uh, but it's not quite as directly, you know, there is a little bit of inference there. Um, and um, I think there's a lot more uh, area for debate. One of the things I enjoyed about um, when we had Dr. Stacy on was her talking about how she had disagreed with Michael Burlingame over um, Lincoln's relationship with Mary Lincoln um, in a way that I just found very interesting. And, and, and reading this, the Lincoln, the man who saved America, as kind of a way into that, like you don't, you don't really take a position one way or the other on that, but there's plenty of information in this book for someone to, to really, really explore. Um, and one very small piece, but that I found just so, so cool is in the end of the book, you have, you've, you've listed dozens of resources and books mm -hmm. for people to go to, um, for any, for any one of those topics, um, which I think this is just the perfect book, especially if you're looking for, you know, sometimes I think those of us who have hobbies or who have interests are like, want to bring other people on board but it's very difficult to do so because like you know what am I, I i don't expect someone just to pick up like a multi-volume lincoln biography and and join me in my nerddom here this is a perfect book to do that um and just kind of test the waters and see what people think especially i think if they're um students of history just more generally um one thing that i wanted to ask you about that i've noticed um that you did very well um even in even in a shorter kind of setup, is bringing in an, a, other kind of a cast of characters, specifically earlier in Lincoln's life, um, like Edward Baker, John Stewart, um, John Harden, you know, um, uh, all of those, John Harden, excuse me, and uh, William Herndon, all of those characters, um, which I think the the photos that you use make that a little bit easier too because you kind of get a face of the name like I, I almost felt like i got to know the cast of characters better in this work than i did trying to sort all that out in longer works um did you find that a challenge to kind of you know because to me that the actual writing itself um was impressive like how how we have a cast of characters and it made it all made sense to me really in a way that it doesn't normally when i'm reading history I, I, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I think that's that's one of the areas where uh, historians um, need to stop and and think a little bit more because we tend to put in uh, either not enough information or way too many details. And the cast of characters is is one area where you have entire books that talk about all of these other people. Uh, and it's that's that's too much 
for, for most people to read and too much for the general public. Um, and then in others, they'll mention a name and, you know, that, that's it. So you don't even really know who this is. So I tried to, to balance that. Again, it's the, the challenge is you only have a small amount of space to, to cover a lot of ground. Um, but these people in, in Lincoln's life are, are play critical roles in his political life, uh, in his early life uh, in New Salem and especially and, and beyond. And it really is part of the story and, and makes, I think, him and, and everyone else uh, more human if you can look at those inter interactions between, between people. So that's why I wanted to include them um, because they do, they do forward the, the storyline they, but they also give a, a broader look into uh, what was going on around him. Um, and again, all within <laughs> the constriction of not having much space to be able to do it. Because there are, there are other books who, who've gone into, into huge depth talking about, about some of these people. Um, but most people aren't reading those books. Unfortunately, because right. some of them are very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure, certainly. And just to give our listeners kind of an idea of, of what I'm talking about, like one one little snapshot that uh, that I found this particular kind of what I refer to as a cast of characters, the way that you uh, tell the story of the one term in Congress and why Lincoln did not run for reelection and why and how that whole kind of gentleman's agreement was was set up made so much more sense in this book to me than any other book I've ever read. I've always like, I got it, but it was kind of trying to keep all of that straight. And, and it was put succinctly in the way that it was in this work. I felt like I got like a pretty good feeling of like the, the, the political structure of Sangamon County and how, you know, people kind of got tabbed for that role and everybody kind of took their turn. And then where that left Lincoln at that point in his career at kind of a crossroads and that, and, and the importance of that, I think sometimes that gets lost. Um, and kind of that importance of like, well, now what? <laughs> and, and that yeah. kind of empty feeling that kind of hangover effect after that term in Congress, um, where you get a little bit, he had a little bit of a taste. Um, like I felt that that, so that, that particular piece sometimes gets lost in Lincoln biographies because it's, um, you know, because of the length of it, whereas when you kind of succinctly look at his political career, I got a much better feeling for um, that potential kind of feeling that he had of, of what do I do now? Where am I in this? And then how there is that kind of break in service um, where kind of there are sometimes forgotten years in Lincoln's life. Told, told kind of tightly in the format of this work, I think it really helped me to kind of really get a feel for that in a way that you might not if you're reading that over 200 pages or 300 pages. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say like the cast of characters. It's not like you quickly list them all. I felt like I truly got a, I got a feel for that, that in particular. And then there's, there's several other little subsections of the book where I think you'll, you'll, you'll have a similar, hopefully I think a reader would have a similar experience. So that was very cool. So, Mary, I know you had some other questions. We kind of had compared notes before this, and Mary had some really good questions as well. Um, my other question is, you you include a, 
like a lot of wonderful Lincoln quotes in this book that are kind of the, you know, some of them are the, like the iconic ones that I always associate with Lincoln and some of them are lesser known. Um, but what are a couple of your favorite Lincoln quotes? A couple of my favorite Lincoln yeah. quotes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, I actually, I wish I could tell some of the stories that he told because, uh, he was very good at, at storytelling. Um, I'm unfortunately not very good at remembering little stories. <laughs> um, but I, I, there are there are some little things and some larger things that I that I like in, in quotes. I mean, there's uh, I use a passage from the House Divided speech um, where he says a house divided cannot stand, and and I mean he he cribbed that from the, from the Bible, and he used some Bible references that he, he knew that a lot of, of the, the people listening would understand, um, because basically uh, a lot of these places, a lot of the, the families' houses didn't have very many books, and if they had a book, it was the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they could understand those references. So I, I enjoyed... Uh, like the house divided speech when he did that, but he also there's a couple of things I don't think I used it in this book actually, but there's um, during the war there was uh, he he got a lot of people that would knock on the door and come into the to the White House and bring it actually bring a rifle into the White House and say I've got a new rifle design you know I think you should try it try it out um, and they would do that and and he would try a lot of these things out but he would also uh, get a lot of letters. People would write him because they knew he was interested in, in science and technology. And I remember one particular uh, guy who was, he wrote several letters and he, they were, some of the ideas he had were, were not very practical, put it that way. And Lincoln would read these things and on one of them he said, uh, uh, he, he wrote the guy's name and and well, he folded up the paper and he wrote on the back and gave it to, um, I think, uh, gave it to Wells, Secretary of Navy Wells. And he writes on the back of this, he says, um, crazy person. And he just hands it and says, <laughs> I don't want to deal with this guy anymore. <laughs> you know, take, take him out and, and you know, I, I don't want to get these letters anymore. And, you know, and so I'm sure Nicolay and Hay never put through one of those letters again. Um, so he has, he has little things like that. But there's, there's another one that I, I really, really f thought was funny. There was uh, after the Battle of Antietam, um, which was a very bloody battle, and uh, it, was more, it, was, it was really a tie, you know, it was a draw. Um, but uh, Lee worked his, his troops back away and across the river, and McClellan didn't follow him. He, he said, you know, we're, we're all, my horses are, are too tired. And so, so Lakin writes that he's, he's, uh, says, please tell me, it's like, what have your horses been doing that would make them so tired because you haven't been doing anything? Because McClellan <laughs> was, it was infamous for being very good at putting together an army but not using it. And in fact, there was another quote Lincoln, where he says, you know, if you're not using your army, please let me use it. And, <laughs> you know, so he, he had some wit. You know, he was, he was, he could be a funny guy, even during the war. Oh, for sure. Then that quote, Mary has been known to drop that one from time to time. She's a big fan yeah. of the borrowing the army one. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> 
So uh, one question that uh, we we kind of went back and forth a little bit on before you came on the show uh, this evening when we were kind of looking at the work as a whole, um, mm-hmm. Mary and I with our uh, our other co-host Nick. Um, towards the end, I th- I felt that you wrapped up the legacy piece quite well, um, but we talked quite a lot about um, the inclusion of the idea of um, where Lincoln stands now, where his legacy is. And mm-hmm. what, um, as a writer, with this book intended to kind of be for for the, for everyone, um, uh, was it difficult for you to decide to include the pieces where you um, kind of make the thesis or the claim um, that both parties are both parties claim to be the party of Lincoln, and then you say mm-hmm. in the direct line that you say is the Democratic Party has a stronger case for this claim. Um, was that a difficult decision to make to include that in the work? Um, what led to that decision and um, especially like in the context of a book kind of for everyone and and I'll just say as an aside I applaud you for making that decision and for for taking a stance I think that's important for for everyone to do certainly writers Um, so this is not at all I'm not at all criticizing it I'm just wondering like was that difficult for you to decide to do when the uh, the intended audience was really everyone yeah um at the time, I didn't think it was that difficult a decision. <laughs> you know, I wanted I wanted to bring in the, something related to the the current day or recent day, and and it's clear that uh, that both parties now consider themselves to be the party of Lincoln. Um, but part of the, the the goal of this book is to get people thinking about uh, Lincoln in that time period. Because we have, uh, we've had in the past several years, there was the, the discussions over what to do about the Confederate flag. And then that's sort of morphed now into what to do about uh, Confederate monuments that day, but mostly in the South. And that's, it's been very polarized discussion about, you know, we should keep these monuments, we should get rid of these monuments, and then I think most Lincoln scholars tend to be kind of trying to walk a, a line on on where that goes because it's it's a very it's actually a, a fairly difficult question to how to answer that. Um, but during that discussion, it was clear that a lot of people really didn't know much about the Civil War and Lincoln and uh, even the time period following the Civil War reconstruction and then into the Jim Crow era, era, which is when most of these monuments were actually put up later on. Um, And so I wanted to address that somehow uh, or or get people thinking anyway, not not so much address the monuments, but but address the lack of knowledge that's behind that. So I kind of tied that in with the, the the two parties both thinking that they're you know they're 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 the party of Lincoln. Um, obviously, Lincoln was a Republican, uh, and the and the Democrats were the 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 more uh, racist than the Republicans were, or the more pro-slavery than the Republicans were at the time. And that's sort of shifted in in the time since then, especially during the Civil Rights era in the 1960s and and to now. So it's a, it's a difficult question, but people aren't talking about it. So I tried to get that and put that in there. Um, and I, 
I didn't have much difficulty making decision to put that in there. It has, oddly enough, well, maybe not so oddly enough, um, uh, and a good example of this is somebody left a re review for me for the book on, on Amazon or Goodreads or one of those. And they said, well, we didn't like him putting in his personal um, political views in the end. And I didn't really. You know, I, I, I tried to put in something that was, was fact-based. And I guess there's some you could disagree or, or not. But somebody just took that and decided that that was, they were going to trash the entire book just because they didn't like that one paragraph. So in retrospect, you know, maybe I wish I had phrased something a little bit differently, but uh, who knows? I mean, they say that controversy sells books, and I don't know that there's been that much controversy, but, you know, if a few more people read the book and think about it and talk about it in their families, then I'm fine with that. Yeah, and I think that um, we've kind of, you know, on a much smaller scale, but kind of run into similar issues um, just with our just with our little podcast here, where you know, keep it about history, keep the keep your your own politics out of it, and and to me, that's there that's inextricable. You know, like like you can't talk about presidential history and and disassociate that from from politics. And I think the way that you've crafted the argument. Yeah, well, the key yeah, the key was that, you know, the, the entire book, except for that last chapter, is all about the history. And the last chapter is about legacy, so it's not even the whole chapter, it's just a, just a few pages. Um, and the legacy ex includes the fact that everybody today, on both, in both parties, both major parties, believe that they are the party of Lincoln. And, you know, you could argue for and against any of those things. But the fact is that, that both parties claim Lincoln as their own. And in a way, that's a good thing. Um, but in another way, you know, you can't just say, you know, Lincoln, I claim Lincoln. You know, you have to, you have to get into it and discuss it. So I'm hoping that in that last section where in those sex parts where I talk about him and today's politics, which is actually a very small part of the book. I hope that people will read that and, and get into discussions over Thanksgiving dinner, preferably without throwing things at each other. <laughs> politics and Thanksgiving dinner. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, like I said, I think that it's, it's very, a very cogent argument, very, you know, um, you kind of go point by point and I, I think, I mean, I agree with you. Um, so maybe I'm an easier audience. I don't know, but, um, I think that it's, I think that it, it fits and, and really if you're not, if you're not making that connection to now, what's the point of learning history, right? I mean, like it's, it's yeah. not about finding out what happened. Not that that's not interesting, but, but so what? Um, and, right. and that's tried to, and that's when I was a history educator, uh, before I moved over to, to the, as I say, the executive branch of things in the public school system, that was always kind of what I was going for to try to get young people to look at what I would call the, so whatness of it all. Like, so what, why, why is it important that Lincoln, um, passed the first income tax legislation or, right. you know, um, the, the Whigs were a liberal party and internal improvements, infrastructure was, you know, what they would refer to now as, you know, more social, social 
programs and things. So yeah, it's like um, socialism. <laughs> sure, sure, really. I mean, truly, yeah. and that's not a bad word. So I don't know. Why well, one of one of the one of the one more thing about that is that I just got a an email from uh, the head of the Looking for Lincoln in, in Illinois, mm -hmm. and they are part of of a, a broader coalition of organizations, including the Boys Club and and things like that. And she said they're going to use my book as uh, a learning tool. These groups of young—I um, I don't know much about the about the program, but it's something where they they bring in young young people and they uh, help them uh, learn about history, but also civic civic duty and discussion. And I think. You know, it's just, it's great if if they can use my book as a basis for uh, for hopefully very uh, calm discussions of of uh, of that time period, but also how it can apply to to today. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a great organization. Uh, just um, as an Illinoisan, you know, I they have very nice signage that they put up. You can kind of, they've done a great job with their branding. You can go to small towns throughout Illinois um, right. and, and just see like where Lincoln sites are. Um, so I'll, one of which is in Freeport, Illinois, which I'll, where I'll be tomorrow. So um, yeah, that's, I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're working with you. And I think that their, um, their, their work and kind of the look and feel that they have lines up very well to, to your book. So I think that'll work, work well. Uh, Mary, did you have any other uh, final questions? about the book before uh, we move on? Um, David, you answered all of my questions as we went along, which was excellent. Um, I just want to say that I, I thoroughly enjoyed the book and I think it's a great resource for any level of Lincoln geek from the beginner to those of us who have been, like I've been into them since I was about five or six years old. So about 30 years that I've been, been into him. So, and it, it's definitely one that I will recommend. Um, and yeah, like I said, you've answered all my questions as we've been along. So that's been awesome. Great. Thank yeah. you. And, and I'd like to reiterate that. And, um, I think often, you know, sometimes we've talked on the show about, um, like, like good gift ideas for a Lincoln geek. I think your book is actually a perfect gift from a Lincoln geek. Like it's a perfect gift to give yeah. to somebody and say like, read this yeah. so you understand me a little bit better and um so like i i would encourage some of our listeners if you if you've got that family member who you, who you know is interested in history but like isn't quite um on our on our level of lincoln geekdom this would be a perfect gift um so david uh before we transition to our next segment um did you have anything that you wanted to add or anything about the the not necessarily just the book um that you wanted to add that you think our listeners might want to hear about yeah, I just wanted to, and you mentioned it earlier. I just wanted to uh, remind people that at the in the back of the book, there are um, there are two areas that that people should take a look at. One is the list of of other books on in the different topics. So if you have a particular his legal law career or whatever, uh, you can look up some books. And I made sure to put in books that are are both readable. And uh, are available. You get get them through libraries or or various place bookstores. Um, but also, there's a there's an index 
that uh, are not, I'm sorry, not the index, the, there's a, uh, EndNotes, and the EndNotes have links to uh, sources that I used, and a lot of them come from, uh, come from the collected works of, of Abraham Lincoln, which was a, a project put together in, in, in the 1950s that pulled together all of his letters and, and related material. And, and uh, there's, so there's a lot of, of the primary material that they can find through there if they want to get uh, further, further into it. Um, other than that, I just to say that I've been very happy with, with how the book has been doing. Uh, they, it's been getting very good feedback, both from the general public, who had the, the main audience, um, but also Lincoln scholars who who feel like that the scholarship is 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 very good, and and yet it's it's presented to people who aren't going to be reading all of their books necessarily, which is which is a good thing. And it's it's been nominated for a couple of awards. It hasn't won anything yet, but it's been nominated, so that's good. Yeah, excellent, and and good luck if they haven't announced some of the some of the awards that you're, you've been nominated for. So, um, and I agree about the scholarship. I, I feel that that's definitely something. But right now, we're going to move away from scholarship a little bit toward uh, our weekly feature, which we call "This Week in Lincoln," in which we supply for our listeners an example where Lincoln pops up in our lives, completely unrelated to history or any sort of historic or political context, which he some you know he feels like he does quite often. And when we have guests, we do invite the guests to supply their their favorite example of Lincoln in pop culture or wherever else. Um, and I know you've kind of come across quite a lot because there are so many images in the book that some of right. some have come from some of these areas. So, uh, what uh, what's your favorite um, or or most interesting time where you've seen Lincoln show up somewhere outside of a historic or political context? I think uh, uh, one of the things that I found really interesting is that um, Lincoln, to some extent, has become a bit of a pop icon and is in has been in uh, movies and all of that. But he's also in in comic books now. And I I use a a picture in some of my presentations that is not in the book because it's it's copyrighted. Um, um, but it's um. A Spider-Man magazine that came out in uh, 2009 on uh, Lincoln's two, 200th anniversary of his birth, and it has uh, Abraham Lincoln in the foreground is rolling up his sleeves, and he's handed his his hat and his uh, coat to Captain America and to Spider-Man, and in the little speech bubbles above him, he he says. Uh, uh, thank you, boys, for holding my stuff while I go save America. And I just thought that was perfect for 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 my book. And I wish I could have used it in the book. I didn't even find it until after the book was came out. But um, but I've I've seen he's been in quite a few uh, uh, comic books, and I guess they're called graphic novels and <laughs> graphic <laughs> biographies now. <laughs> but. Um, but comic books, I have a, an old comic book that, uh, that talks about Lincoln and the Transcontinental Railroad. Um, and then there are uh, books that, uh, comic books that were from around 1959, which was the 150th anniversary of, of Lincoln's birth. Um, there was a, a several comic books, a graphic 
biographies, I'm sorry, graphic biographies that came out that featured Lincoln and basically told his life in, in drawings, in cartoons. And um, it did actually, they, they do a pretty good job of, of capturing his personality and his life. And those uh, I was lucky enough to be able to get permission to use in the, in the book. So several pages have uh, little snippets from, from those comic books. So I, I just thought that was, that was interesting that even today, um, Lincoln is considered cool. You know, he's some, somehow he's, you know, you never talk about how cool Herbert Hoover was or, <laughs> or Franklin Pierce or something, but Lincoln's cool, you know. I, I have a T-shirt I got at the museum here in Washington, D.C., that has Lincoln, and he's he's got earbuds in his in his ears, and he's holding a, an iPod. It's a older T-shirt when they still had iPods, you know. <laughs> so he's holding an iPod, and he's just jamming on the front of this this T-shirt. Uh, uh, so I think that's pretty impressive for a guy that's over 200 years old and has been dead for 150, or for fifth, yeah, for 150 is uh, uh, is is considered so cool today. Yeah, and I think that's part of the part of the whole point of this that feature and kind of you know why he keeps why and how he keeps popping up and um, I think that kind of ties a lot of what we're talking about together. I think there's a reason that both parties claim him. Um, we all claim him, right? He's just so much ingrained in who we are as Americans. Uh, well, in citizens of the world, Mary, Mary's from Canada. I don't mean to yep. dislike, dislike <laughs> you, but okay. all of us. <laughs> um, like my second home. <laughs> Even has influence on Canadians. So, yeah, does, there yeah. you go. You know, that, yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. Right, but um, and I did. I spent a. I had to kind of give it up just because I have too many hobbies. But for a while there, I was trying to collect uh, Lincoln comic books. Uh, you know where he showed up. So there's, you know, a handful where he's uh, you know a minor character in different time travel plot lines and whatnot. Um, the Flash number two ten from 1971 is kind of one that I've I've always wanted to find. Um, it's one of those where I think that, like, I don't, I'm not going to order anything off eBay. One of the comic, you know, part of comic book things is sometimes you got to find it in a comic book store and, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So I've always kind of looked for that. So I really like that example. I know the exact image you're talking about. Um, and I've, you know, I've kind of sent that to some folks through email and stuff who are, you know, it's just kind of an endearing image. And I think that it um, kind of captures, captures a lot of kind of the the caricature maybe, or the, the persona that Lincoln's taken on recently. So that's an excellent example for uh, our This Week in Lincoln, and I think that's a great way to, to close out the show. Um, so, uh, David, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for writing the book. Um, I'm really happy that our listeners, we actually put a poll out to our listeners to select our first book for um, the the Rail Splitter Book Club, and um, and your book was overwhelmingly chosen, and I think our listeners did a great job selecting wow. it. So, so thank you great. once again, and thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Okay, thank you for having me. I really thank you, it. David. Excellent, thank you. So, uh, for Rail Splitter Nick and for Rail Splitter Mary, I am Jeremy signing off for this week. So we will be back next week, uh, coming to you with some coverage from the Lincoln Presenters Association convention that's happening in Freeport. So stay tuned for that. But until then, continue to walk the world with malice toward none and with charity for all. And we'll see you next week.